and this is Chuck Wolf, and you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And you're a part of the community strip here on WPKN. You just listened to the announcements, and I'm Messiah, and I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Uh, we're going to be talking today about a few different things. I'll always come in with a few topics. Uh, those of you who are regular listeners, I want to thank you all for tuning in. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be back with you. I'm on the first and second Wednesdays of the month, 12 to 1 p.m. Uh, on the first and second Wednesdays of each month. And I just um, really enjoy the opportunity to engage with the community and hopefully be helpful to you. Again, the show's The Emotion Roadmap, Take the Wheel and Control How You Feel. And what that means, for those of you that might be new to the show, is that there's a science out there called emotional intelligence that has given us some information that can make our lives better and given us some information that can help us to help others who we care about or who we just want to help make their lives better. And that is caught up in a, the scientific model that has been created by president of Yale University, Peter Salovey, and his colleague, Jack Mayer, University of New Hampshire professor of psychology. Uh, the two of them uh, in the 1990s uh, investigated this idea that we have emotional abilities and that we have differences in these abilities, kind of like having differences in mathematical abilities or verbal abilities, and those differences matter. Um, they asked me in the late 1990s to help them to come up with a way to make this new knowledge and information useful, and so I created what I call the emotion roadmap. The idea, if you're not feeling something that is helpful or someone you know is struggling with their feelings and not sure what to feel or at least feeling um, uncertain and doubtful and um, whatever it is that uh, they are feeling is not helpful to what they're trying to achieve or what you're trying to achieve, then you can actually change your feelings. You can plan how to change your feelings and that's what the show's about. So if you're new and you're just uh, listening for the first time, then the show is about helping you. In case you're stuck, in case you're one of the very many smart listeners that listen to WPKN and to our show, my show, on, uh, on the first and second Wednesdays of each month at 12 noon for one hour, then um, if you're stuck and uncertain and doubtful, if you just feel as though the feelings you have are causing you to feel like you're drowning and you're really, really um, upset about whatever it is that's happening in your life and you have no clear outlet or... Um, way to proceed, then you can call. And you can call, and as I listen to you talk about your situation, your circumstance, what you're struggling with, I walk you through this emotion roadmap. I ask you, what is it you're feeling? What, why are you feeling that way? What's it about? After a brief description of your circumstance and your feeling, I ask you, what might be ideal to feel? I ask is there anybody else that's key to what you're trying to get done? Is he or she or they involved? What might they be feeling? And what would be ideal for them to feel? And then we work through how do you get there? So the idea of a roadmap, as, as, you, as you know, is simply to get you from one place to another. Well, I decided that this would be a really good title for the work I was doing with Peter Salovey and Jack Mayer to help understand how to use emotional emotions and emotional intelligence more effectively. So people call in about situations at work. People call in about situations at home. 
sometimes situations involving just themselves because a lot of times the conflict we experience, the uncertainty and doubt we might be feeling don't really have to do with others. It's more about ourselves trying to make a decision. On the other hand, sometimes it's very much to do with relationships with other people. Uh, someone that works for us, if we're a leader, uh, someone we work for. If we're a team member in an organization where we report to one or more individuals. Sometimes it's a peer, a teammate, a team worker that we work with, uh, a neighbor, someone in our community, in a group we belong to, where we disagree and we haven't found a constructive way to handle that disagreement. All those things are potential for what we talk about on the show. And for those of you that have been waiting to call, let me give you the number. Those of you that are regular listeners and want to talk to me, the number to call is 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. So I've introduced you to the show if you're just tuning in, again, the show is The Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. I'm Chuck Wolf. I'm considered an expert in this world of emotional intelligence. And I want to share that expertise with all of you in our community as one of the many volunteer programmers who are here. And I've got a caller. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello, Chuck. Yes, hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Thanks very much, Chuck. It's Doug McLeod with Sandy Hook Promise. Oh, How hi. are you doing today? I'm good, Doug. I, 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 yeah, I, I recognize your name. I'm very hesitant to say names, but it's nice to talk to you, Doug. How are you doing? Not, not, nice to talk to you. Just very quickly, um, we, we ran this weekend a race in Guilford, um, it was uh, in, uh, in benefit to uh, to locking up firearms with the song "Strong Foundation," and I know that uh, you know that you know, people in crisis, are, uh, you know, sometimes you know, have suicidal ideations, and you know, and I just wanted you to speak to the uh, how talking can maybe get people through that period uh, of crisis. Obviously, you know, fi you know firearms can you know, can lead to dreadful outcomes they usually you know, do when people are in crisis that's why we advocate uh and why um ethan's law has been so successful in terms of you know locking firearms away from you know, from people who are you know in crisis uh and red flag laws you know are important in terms of temporarily taking um removing firearms from uh from people who are uh, a danger to themselves or other but can you just speak to the efficacy of uh, talking um, to somebody else or reaching out, because so often uh, people who take their lives don't uh, show any signs. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But you know, the, you know, the real tragedy is when um, people can get help, but they you know, don't feel like there's any, you know, there's any any hope anymore. And so, um, you know, talking, you know, um, you know can sometimes get people through that crisis, uh, very often through that crisis, and I'll take the answer off the air. Well, Doug, and before you go, is there, because uh, I don't know, does Sandy Hook Promise offer some um, opportunities for people to talk with counselors? Well, they do. Uh, what, what the Sandy Hook Promise uh, does, their, their focus is on uh, prevention, you know, preventing gun violence in schools. And, um, you know, as a, 
you know, Mark Barton said on your show, um, I think probably two years ago now, it's you know, they, you know their their interventions are um, all about giving uh, giving students, children, um, you know, at various age groups, uh, the agency, you know, to uh, say something if they see something. Very often, you know, as you, as all parents know, you know, the uh, the kids know before the parents do or before the teachers do that. Uh, someone, um, a friend, perhaps, you know, uh, you know, is uh, threatening to hurt themselves or others, uh, you know, through social media or something of that sort. So, what Sandy Hook has uh, developed is a an app uh, that goes on all the uh, all the phones of you know students in schools that are participating uh, in these programs, free of charge to the community, uh, and then that message will be uh, go to a, a triage center in Florida yeah and then immediately assessed for the uh, for the threat level um, so that you know somebody who is um, yeah and very often what's happened in the past when somebody is called 911 is you know police or responders or uh, guidance counselors teachers have not known what to do with that information yeah now there's now there are protocols for what to do with that information which you know would include um, you know speaking to uh, the, uh, the child in question, you know, and, and assessing, uh, you know, the, uh, the threat level or the, or the, uh, the risk level. So that's, that's what Sandy Hook does, you know, you know does and, you know, it begins with uh, programs in primary school called Start With Hello to, you know, to, uh, to address uh, social isolation, uh, you know, which is very effective. Um, they have uh, clubs, which, again, are run by the students themselves, Again, you know, reinforcing the agency that students have. Um, it, uh, the Save Promise Clubs, you know, are you know can be delivered various times and in various ways during during the school year. You know, generally with uh, uh, some supervision uh, from maybe a school you know counselor. Um, and then uh, you know, and then there's Say Something program. Say Something Week happens in September. You know, and it's a national program that goes out to I think probably over you know. 3,000 schools now, you know, participating. So there, there is, you know, there, there is that, but that's their focus at Sandy Hook is prevention um, through, um, you know, through, uh, through talking and, and early intervention rather than, you know, rather than uh, you know, all the harm that can be done, you know, after the fact, um, you know, to the community uh, and to, and to schools if there's a, there's a live shooter situation. So anyway, that's, well, that's, uh, what, that's thank you. Is. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, the reason I asked was cause I'm, you know, I, I did have Mark on and it was, uh, it was a lovely program and I was quite proud of it. And I'm glad to be able to share any information about Sandy hook. I would like to just ask you to think about something too, and then I'll go on and talk about what you asked me to talk about. Um, one of the things that's happening in recent times is that there seems to be a pushback against social and emotional learning in schools. Uh, and as Sandy hook promise, um, uh, you know, having originated with the hor- horrific event in the school, um, you know, there's a lot that they've done that they make available as a nonprofit to many to schools around the world to help out with all these issues that reflect on people's ability to cope and to have uh, fruitful, effective um, lives that deal with all kinds of emotional circumstances. Uh, and they do it, at, you know, out of love and out of uh, a dedication to making something happen positive out of that horrible event. And they do it really well. And they have great um, references and recommendations from people who experience it. But recently, there's been a pushback against social and emotional learning. 
and it's I think it's it's confused. It's confused uh, for a number of reasons. I think partly it's. Um, People who are worried about some of the things being taught in schools. I think there's some pushback against some of the teacher unions who didn't want to go back into schools and all the problems that have originated in schools with remote learning. And I think um, if there's somebody in Sandy Hook, the reason I'm, I'm asking you this, Doug, that wants to talk about that with me, about why it's so important to have social emotional learning in schools, um, understands what this pushback is about um, and wants to address it. Because I, I think in today's world, more than ever before, social-emotional learning is absolutely a critical competency that everyone, not just in schools, but everyone everywhere. And if we learn it in schools as kids, it's easier to learn when we're younger. So I, I just think that um, there's a pushback coming. And if there's some people that are engaged in trying to address that in Sandy Hook, if you know anybody out there, Doug, that's that's interesting. No, I certainly do, and that's a, and that's a, that's a great project for you know for you know, for the summertime is to uh, is to is to get uh, is to get that uh, get that um, you know work you know you know in place so that you, know, you can do a show on social you know, emotional you know learning because these are life these these are life lessons right that you know, that we carry through us you know through you know throughout. Because uh, we're we're all going to have ups and downs. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Um, I remember there was a book uh, that I read uh, probably thirty years ago, um, it, uh, and it was by a, a guy named Doctor Peck, who um, said. And I think the first line in it was, uh, um, "The moment that we know." I'm paraphrasing. The, the moment that we realize that it's going to be difficult, it gets a whole lot easier, right? So, um, so we, you know, we can expect you know, the difficulties, and if we, um, and if we uh, have the emotional, um, uh, you know, learning to, you know, to to uh, to address those, you know, then, you know, then, then things can, you know, can uh, can be processed nor- you know, normally. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll speak with my friends, you know, uh, at Promise House up in, you know, Newtown, and uh, we'll be in touch. Um, but I'll certainly, you know, take the answer off the air about, you know, about, you know, talking. Yeah, you know, talking about uh, just you know, you know those, those deep feelings. You know, it's something yeah. that um, you know, that you know, we uh, you know, we all need to do more of. You know, okay. for big and big, big and small things. Thanks, Thanks. very much. It's good Thanks. to talk to you. All you the too, best. Doug. Thank you. Take care Bye. now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. So, uh, just to Doug's comment, first, I want to be very clear. Uh, I'm not an expert in dealing with suicide, but there are people out there that are. And one of the things I'd like to have available is the suicide hotline number. So let me give you that and then talk a little bit about my own thoughts about it. So the suicide prevention hotline and website, um, well, the hotline is 800-800-273-8255. 273-8255. The actual website is https colon two forward slashes suicide prevention lifeline dot org. No spaces. Suicide prevention lifeline dot org. And if anybody's dealing with this, I encourage you to, to talk to experts about that. Um but one of the things that I want to say about, I, I do want to comment a little bit about it myself. So when Doug asked me to say, well, what's the value in talking about it? There's tremendous value in talking about it with someone that can help you. Sometimes we talk to someone we're close with who doesn't know how to help us. And their value might be minimal. 
but they may at least be able to point us and that anyone can do this to the people that are expert in helping people cope with suicidal feelings, which are not at all unusual, by the way. It, the, the numbers of people in, um, in schools, but not just in schools, across the nation, across the world, there are lots of people that struggle with these feelings, a lot, actually. And what do you do with them? You know, well, first of all, um, there is some something I've learned many years ago. Uh, Fritz Perls, who was the f- uh, founder of Gestalt Therapy, uh, used to say, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who says they're thinking about killing themselves, one of the things you might ask them is, okay, so why haven't you? Now, that's a bit abrupt, and I don't necessarily encourage anybody to say that or ask that, but I want to make the point that he was addressing, which is if somebody's talking about it, there's still something inside them saying, don't do it. Don't do it. This, if they're talking about it at all, they haven't made that choice to do it yet. So there's something worthwhile to hold on to that they believe is inside them, but they don't know how to reach it, and they're looking for help. That's the reason for telling you that. I'm not saying you should ask that question. But just recognize that when somebody's talking to you about it, they haven't decided to do it, but they're thinking about it. So something's worthwhile there. And so one of the things that you might ask them about, which is atypical, not typical at all, is um, can you tell me what's good in your life? Can you tell me what are the things that, that you think are worthwhile that you would really miss Can you tell me how others might feel? Now, you might, in asking those questions, you might find out there's a lot of depression, there's not a lot that they they feel good about, and you'll hear more about the things that they're upset about and what's driving them to even consider these thoughts and feelings. The thing is, you're not an expert. None of us are really experts unless we've been trained in this area. And so you really do want to refer them. And even if you don't refer them at that moment and they are reluctant to make a phone call, I'd suggest if you're a friend, a family member, somebody that loves them, cares about them, wants to help, you call. You express what you heard. You get some advice from the people at this hotline about how you might help. Again, I'll give you the number again. Excuse me. Here we go. 800-800-273. 8255. 800-273-8255. So what does help when people talk with you? What does help, whether it's suicide or just some other depressing, upsetting, um, frustrating, angry, humiliating, (laughs) ashamed feeling that somebody's expressing that they're experiencing. How can you help? What is it that you can say or do? Well, this whole emotion roadmap is about that. The, The reason people make changes, what works for change, is that you have enormous pressure in your current state, in whatever is existing. And obviously anybody who's contemplating something like suicide is feeling tremendous pressure not to go on. And they're fighting against it. That's why they're talking to you about it. And one of the ways that you can address this, at least in theory, is that um, one of the ways you can at least address that in theory is to just simply say, hey, if you could see yourself in the future, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if it's a week, a month, a year or more. But if you can see yourself in the future being in in a happy place, in a safe place, 
in a psychologically supported place, in a cared about place, where you feel valued and respected, where you feel like you're making a meaningful contribution, not just to yourself, but to others as well. If, if you can see yourself there, what does that look like for you? What, what possibly might be the kind of world you want to live in? What, what, where you are experiencing your best version of you. What does that look like to you? What does that feel like to you? What does that sound like to you? What words come to mind? What images come to mind? Where would you be? What would you be doing? Who would you be with? So first it's like creating a positive image that you ask people to consider, to think about. And then how do you get there? What is a concrete first step of something that you want to lock in to achieve that? Because that sounds pretty good. Not just to me. It should. Does it sound good to you too? And of course it does because it's coming from them. And then of course all the self-doubt and the maybe self-hate and the shame or whatever it is that's going on comes into play and they say, no, I can never. Well, you know, your vision sounds great, but you need something concrete to do to start you off in that direction. What could you do? What are some concrete positive steps that you might take? See what they come up with. As part of the, one of the concrete steps that you might take, and you might suggest they take if it feels right, and you, I, su- I suggest that you do find a way to introduce this anyway, is you call this number, right, this hotline number. You could talk to people who have dealt with this. You're not alone. That's a big misgiving people have. Even though it seems like there's a lot of people feeling this way, they don't talk about it much. Like Doug said, there's not a lot of people talking about this. They're embarrassed to talk about it. So what, instead of just living inside yourself with these pent-up thoughts of suicide and these, you know, whatever the feelings are about, whether it's feeling hateful about towards yourself or ashamed of something you may have done um, or someone's betrayed you and you feel like it's not worth living if you can't trust that person or certain people, whatever it might be, there are things that cause certain feelings to happen and you want to understand what those things are and you want to know how to counter them. You want to know how to move forward and pass them, how to learn how to let go of them, how to deal with them effectively and move on. And again, there are experts that can help with that. But you can help too, just in talking with somebody who's brought this to your attention by asking them to think about if life was good, what does it look like, feel like, taste like, sound like? And how might you get there? And how can I be helpful to you to get there? And who else can be helpful to you to get there? And what about calling this number to help you get people to help you get there? Well, okay, that's the direction I didn't necessarily intend to go this morning, but uh, I'm glad that Doug asked the question because I know there's a lot of people um, in today's world feeling very upset about multiple things, multiple things. Um, you know, these horrific mass shootings, obviously, the families that have lost loved ones, um, you know, is it worth going on and living in a world that, that where this could happen? You know, where is God in all of this? All those questions come to mind when you've lost a loved one to senseless violence. So how do you cope? How do you cope? How do you help others to cope? I mean, those are really important things. And this emotion roadmap, how do you feel? What would be ideal to feel instead of how you're feeling? How do you get from how you're feeling to what would be ideal to feel? What can we understand about how emotions work? And what can we understand about how emotions work for you? 
and of all the possible ways you might get to better feelings, more ideal feelings, what actual strategies are you able to implement? And are you willing to implement? What are you feeling? What would be ideal to feel? What might be some ways that you could get from what you're feeling to what's ideal to feel? What are you actually able and willing to do? That's the roadmap. That's how it works. So if you've got something you want to call me about and talk to me about, specifically if you're dealing with some tough things, uh, challenging things, um, 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. On a different topic, on something else I want to raise with you today that I think is really important to talk about. A lot of times people look at the world we live in and we say, in part, it's dysfunctional. And it's dysfunctional partly because our families often are dysfunctional. And inside our families, we are struggling at times to get along with one another. Sometimes we're in two-parent situations where the parents aren't getting along. Sometimes we're in one-parent situations or no parents and we're in foster care or we're in a situation where we're living with grandparents or aunts and uncles or friends of the family because the parents that brought us into this world, for whatever reason, aren't capable of continuing to take care of us. As you think about what's coming up, we're going to have the experience of Father's Day, and I'm not going to be on before that. So my last show this month is today. And I thought I would ask people to talk about fathers. So those of you who are fathers and have something positive to say about being a dad, something that is remarkable, that just makes you smile and makes you proud and just really elevates you when you think about it and might elevate others when you talk about it, give me a call about being a dad. Now, that seems like I'm limiting it to an audience where it, with just dads, but I'd like also for anyone out there who has something positive to say about their own fathers. Father's Day is coming up. I did something similar on Mother's Day. So I'd just like you to think about on Father's Day, what is it I remember about my dad that I'd like to share with other people that just makes me smile. Just remember him fondly. Or maybe he's still with you. And you really still enjoy things doing, that you do together, which is fortunate. My own dad's gone for a long time now, but I remember him dearly. And I'll share a story or two with you about my own dad and what it feels like to me to, to be a dad, maybe as a way of getting started, but unless there's somebody who's really got something right away. So if you can think about something about being a dad or about your own dad, that you think was pretty special to you. It doesn't have to be something amazing. It's just what was special to you. And I'd like to do this in part because I know sometimes it's really hard to be a parent. At times it's a big struggle when your son or daughter or trans or other non-binary or other, or other children that you might have, right, <laughs> are not acting in the way that you'd like them to act. Sometimes it's a big struggle to try and get that change in behavior that's so important to you. And you sometimes come across as cross 
not as affectionate, not as supportive. And so yeah, we have some bad moments and we all experience that too. But I'd like to talk about the positives, the big attraction to being a parent, because I love being a dad. And I have to say, I didn't love it every moment. <laughs> and I haven't loved it every moment of being a dad. But overall, it is a blessing. It is an enormous blessing. So what are your takeaways around dads, being a dad or your own father's? So if you got something you'd like to share, you think would be a positive, something that people could get kind of embraced and think about as they begin to think about celebrating Father's Day coming up, the number to call is 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. So about my own dad. <laughs> so in, in my growing up years, um, what do they know about my dad? A lot of people really, really love my dad. My dad was funny. He was a storyteller. He had a great voice and he could sing lots of songs. He never remembered all the words to songs, but he never failed to, to make them up and make them fun <laughs> as he was singing. You'd hear him sing a beautiful song and you'd want to hear the end, but he'd then say something really funny because he couldn't remember the words. But as part of the song, <laughs> okay, we got a call. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Hi, this is Enzo. Hi, Enzo. How you doing? All right, yourself? Good, thank you. So you got something about a dad or being a dad? Well, I got both, so I don't want to, but I don't want to take up all your time or I don't want to take anything away from someone else. Sure, just go ahead. Take your shot. So I'll start with my uh, daughter being a father. Okay. Uh, you know, I never would have imagined that uh, my daughter would have went away to college and graduated in three years instead of four, get her degree, and... Uh, get a great job and make a, a an income that I will never make. Good for you. Good. And this is a proud moment as a dad, right? That's what it sounds like. I would uh, say so. Nice story. Nice story, uh, Enzo. Congratulations on your child doing so well. Well, her, <laughs> not necessarily me. Well, okay, but you were you were there. You were part of it. <laughs> yes, and my wife too. Not only me. I'm sure that's part of it. And thanks for reminding everybody about that part. <laughs> uh, now, regarding uh, my father, uh, who me and him uh, came to this country in the '70s. Okay. Uh, a man that never learned, uh, unfortunately, to read or write English. Uh, and uh, was forced to go to work uh, after his father, my grandfather, passed away shortly after the war was over in Italy. Uh, so, you know, my, my grandmother sent him off to provide for the family because he was the oldest one. And we came to the United States to start a new life. Um, I never could imagine someone that, you know, could not read or write very efficiently, that worked wood and was a carpenter and made wood work um, better than anyone else that I have seen, not because he's my dad, but never advertised through word of mouth, just the phone kept ringing. Wow. 
you do work for the people. Wow. Uh, something that I will, no, no matter what education level I have, will never be able to accomplish the, what he was able to do with his hands. That's amazing. Uh, having said that, um, I hope everyone has a, a great Father's Day, and I'm sure uh, that uh, everyone's doing the best that they can in these times and every single day that they get up to go to work and provide. Well, you know, you make a point that I'll just emphasize, Enzo, and that is that, you know, it's not necessarily about, um, you know, measuring yourself in ways that may be typical to what success means, you know, reading, writing, being able to be educated in a, in a formal setting. It's, it's about doing what you can with the strengths that you have and being proud of it and sharing that and, and able to make a living uh, with making beautiful things for other people. Uh, through woodworking is uh, is a really nice way to to share about something about your dad. Thanks for the call and I appreciate it. My my pleasure, and I just want to thank you, NWPKN, for being a great radio station. Uh, thanks very much, Enzo. Appreciate it. You have a great day and a happy Father's Day to you when it comes. <laughs> thank you and everyone out there. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, thanks. So again, if you want to call in and share something about your dad and about being a dad, the number is 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my own experience being a dad. I have three daughters. Uh, I now have four grandchildren. And um, each of my daughters has worked successfully through uh, the education system in our country, at public schools, and then um, and then going through uh, college. Um, actually, all my kids actually have um, gra- graduate degrees too. Um, so in our family, that was important. But but they've really done something meaningful with their work. And you know, I'm I'm not proud just that they accomplished getting through school, but I'm accomplished what they did with getting through school. Uh, my um, oldest daughter is someone who um, had struggled with some kind of um, sort of learning disabilities that impacted her ability to study and had a wonderful mentor in the field of learning disability advisors uh, around sixth and seventh grade. And that person became really important to her. And that person actually became a role model and she went into that field herself and learned how to advocate for herself and for the kids that she serves as a special education teacher. And we have an ex-caller. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Hi, my name is Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for calling. Hi, I just wanted to share something about my dad. Um, When I was younger, you know, he was there and funny, great guy. And then through a period of my childhood, you know, he wasn't around, going through his own stuff. But I just... What I wanted to say is that I think it's really important that, you know, moms don't really have a choice, but dads do. And for those of them that choose to be such an important part of their children's lives and stay around and stick around, and he's there for my daughter now, I think it's it's really important to give credit to the guys that have a choice and choose to do their best. And, you know, my dad's a really great guy, so I just wanted to share that piece. 
Well, well, thanks, Brittany. I think probably, um, you know, it feels less likely that women have any choices around this. I, I actually, I agree with you, at least societal. Uh, uh, you know, the, the view we have in society is different. But, um, you know, unfortunately, there's been some moms that haven't stuck around and some dads that had to pick up the pieces. So, But I think what you're saying is how important it is for, for dads and anyone, really, who has a choice to be there and, uh, and how meaningful it was for you when your dad was there and... And you're celebrating the fact that he's there now for your for your own daughter. Yeah, and I think I think it's really important to celebrate that. It's true. Well, that's thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you very much, and the same to your dad too. And <laughs> appreciate it. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you again. The number to call if you've got something to share about your own dad or being a dad yourself two zero three. Three three six nine seven five six two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. So we heard from Enzo and we heard from Brittany. You got a story about your dad? Something you'd like to share with somebody? Again, two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. So another story about being a dad. Um, so I mentioned I had one daughter who became a special education teacher and um, is a champion for all those kids with needs that are a bit different than what the average child might need. I don't even mean average. I mean, that's not even the right word. I'm trying to think of people without special needs, perhaps. But we all really have special needs, don't we, (laughs) in different ways? But some fall into certain categories, I guess, that get special help inside schools. So um, my daughter is a wonderful advocate for her kids. And she, you know, one of the things that years ago I learned about leadership is that one of the things that really, really successful leaders do, leaders that people want to follow into burning buildings, people that that just really inspire others, is they encourage the heart. That's one of the the traits, is they encourage the heart, meaning that they, they encourage the person to love themselves, to love others, to care about others. They care about them. They model this stuff. And my daughter does that, and so I'm very proud of her and the work that she does every day. By the way, um, if you know anything about that world of special education, uh, there's all kinds of bureaucracy and paperwork and limited funding for all the things these people have to do. Um, And and a lot of people have chosen not to be part of schools in recent times, as you know, because of all the craziness in the last few years, particularly around COVID. Um, So if you've got the wherewithal and you've got the ability and you've got the interest and the passion I encourage you to be there for kids in schools to become teachers to become educators and even if you're not a formal educator to get involved with kids in in clubs or in foster care or other places where kids are needy that where you might help just just another thought but yeah that's one of my daughters and then my middle daughter um my middle daughter's had an amazing journey, and um, she actually got her doctorate in analytic chemistry, thought for a bit about possibly being an educator in, um, in a university setting, decided on um, taking her skill set to the um, uh, corporate world and works for the largest chemical company in the world and is serving overseas now in a capacity because she had done so well as a leader, as an innovator, not just as an educated scientist, but as a leader and innovator, that they wanted her to have experience with the corporate um, leaders. It's a company owned in Germany. So she's working 
over there now and um, is having an amazing experience. She's got her kids and her husband with her, and they're seeing a lot of Europe because I guess traveling in Europe's different than traveling around here. So for them, how we might travel from one state to the next is how they go from country to country. We went to visit and we visited and took a train to Paris as an example, took a car ride into the Netherlands. <laughs> it's pretty amazing actually, um, the difference in terms of just going, being able to go um, between countries now with the European Union not having borders in the same way that they used to. So it's kind of like traveling in states. It's pretty neat. Um, but she's working on sustainability in chemistry as an innovator, as someone who is really being, is really creative and who is someone who is really respected for her ability to lead others. And so again, what a great feeling of pride in knowing what she's accomplished. So let's see if we can get another caller. 203-336-9756. My middle daughter, by the way, has two children and she manages to, as busy as she is, as high level as she is and as demanding as her job is, she still is brilliant at finding ways to spend time with her kids. And that's great. And actually her husband, interestingly enough, is also has his doctorate in chemistry, but has chosen to stay home and raise children. And that's been great for them. And not all families can afford that or can... Uh, or, or have people that want to s- sort of switch the roles up. It's not like they're formal roles, but they've the traditional roles and that are changing. And so and that's working out great for them. So kudos to my son-in-law who as a father and a dad who's taking control of all of the logistics <laughs> that have to happen to make a family work successfully. <laughs> that's challenging too. Okay, again, the number is 203 336 9756. I'll give you a minute. 203-336-9756. This is Chuck Wolf. You're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And we're talking right now about fathers. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? Hey, Chuck. This is Robert calling. Hi, Robert. From New Haven. Hi. Thanks for calling, Robert. Hi. Yeah, I like your show very much. I listen to it as often as I can. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to share with you the pride that I also have in my daughter, who um, is in the field of drug and alcohol counseling and therapy. And uh, she's she's the uh, she's a director at... Um, a place called Renaissance, um, and you know she's she's making wonderful money more than I'll ever make. <laughs> That's great. But but she's very uh, you know she's very attentive, and our relationship um, over the years has been really exceptionally close. And, uh, you know, she's married, but she's not going to have any children. She's a career person. Um, but, you know, I also had two boys. And, you know, boys are a little different than, than you know, when you're raising them. Um, um, and, you know, along the way, you have to clearly, you have to um, not only be a role model, um, and a mentor, but you also have to be that disciplinarian person, you know? Sure you do. You have and to you have never, boundaries, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, the boundaries, yeah. And, you know, over the years, you never really know if you actually did the right thing, you know, when you're disciplining children. But my son, one of my sons, he was he's an adopted son. Um, when he turned, uh, well, no, it was on my birthday. And he gave me a card, and he hand-wrote inside of the card. He said, um... Over the years, he said, you've been, you've been a good dad, he said. And, and, and what was most important was he said to me, he says, you were tough, but you were fair. And, you know, that, that, that struck a note with me that, you know, the things that you have have done the disciplines that you have done and the good things you have done you know you kind of you kind of think like i said before are you know have you done the right thing and then when 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 a child writes to you and gives you that message um you know it makes you really feel like yeah you know I did something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people believe, as you do, that raising boys is different than raising girls. And, and you know, we have actually, as I said, I had three daughters and now I have four grandkids. Three of them are boys. Uh, and, uh-huh. and, and it definitely is, is different than what we experienced. Now, of course, you know, we're raised in different times and with different experiences and different partnerships. There's a lot of things that, that, that are involved here, but I think most people would yeah. agree raising boys is a, is different and challenging in different ways than raising daughters, Sure, but, but yeah. they, they both represent challenges, but you know, when they turn out in a way where they're, they're thankful for what, what the way you raise them and they turn out to be someone that you can be proud of, you I don't think he, obviously, all of us along the way, there are things that I've done, I know, that I don't know were the right things at the moment, but they were, but yeah. I, did do, I did do them. I do remember doing them. And, you know, I, don't, I can't say I was proud of everything I did raising my kids, but I think they turned out yeah. so, so great that somewhere along the way we were doing things right. And I got to say that, hey, you know, if, we're, if you're lucky enough to have a partnership with another person in your life who's, a, who's your partner, yeah. and I happen to have a great yeah. partner, and, and, and uh, my wife, Barbara, has been, you know, incredible at, at being supportive and loving loving and helping the kids to become the, the daughters that they are, the amazing people that they are. So it isn't, yeah. it, today isn't yeah. just about dads, but it is kind of the celebrate dads because we got Father's Day coming up. And I thought sometimes dads get a bad rap and I thought this might be a nice thing to talk about in today's show. So I really appreciate you, yeah. you sharing that about, uh, about your children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, uh, I would, uh, um, when I was coming up, I was being raised. I had like an absentee father. Mm-hmm. I never really knew my dad. Yeah. Um, and and he wasn't. You know, when you don't have when that parent is missing from your from your life, you know, you you kind of have to learn how to do things on your own. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, you know that's that's something I I struggled with over the years that my dad just wasn't around, and uh, and 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 so you know the feeling that I had as you know as a child and moving into early Idaho, you know the feeling that I had was I never wanted my kids to experience that. 
I wanted my kids to know that I was always there as a as a dad, and I was supportive to them, and I was a part of their life. Um, and and that was a result of not having that in my life. And it was like the flip side of the coin, you know. I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right, trying to do the right things all the time and be there for my kids. And they appreciated that because they show it and the way we interact with each other and the way our lives are still tied together in a very good way. But it was a result of, like I say, the absentee dad. Um, and, uh, you know, I think about that often, but I'm kind of over it, meaning, you know, emotionally. But when I was younger, it, it was, you know, it was tough, you know. You know, it's interesting you say that because, in part, this show is about celebrating dads, but it's also, I hope, encouraging to people out there who are dads who are struggling with being there with their families right now. And I think your message is, it really re- resonates with me and I hope with lots of people with the idea about how important it is to show up and to be a part of their lives, even yeah. if you can't be everything you want to be and you feel like you're, you know, you, you might not have the skills that you need every moment of the day to be there, to be the kind of dad you thought you could be when you were growing up, but just to be a dad and to be there and to be there some of the time, as Brittany said, you know, her dad was able to be there in the early part of her, of her life and then later on wasn't there, but he's back now involved with her daughter and it's great. And I, I just encourage everybody yeah. who's listening to, I'm sorry, what was your first name again? I'm sorry, what? What was your first name again? Uh, Robert. Robert. Robert, I think the things that you just said hopefully resonate with everybody else that's a dad that's out there that is kind of in between, you know, isn't isn't quite stepped away yet or uh, is thinking about it, but how important that you found it. And I think that you also can learn, as you've demonstrated, about how to be a good dad by what you don't see and what you don't experience right. and what's wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. not the best way to learn it, but you did learn it, and, it, and it's really something that you can be proud of. So thank you, Robert, for the yeah. call. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. All righty. You take care now. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Um, okay. I get time for one more call if, you, if somebody wants to call in. Uh, again, 203-336-9756. But I also got my last daughter. I want to talk about it. I don't want to miss her. She is the youngest of our group, and she was um, um, perhaps the most challenging, at least initially, to raise. And but she's also the, I don't want to say they're all loving, but, but she is so warm and so loving and so supportive. And it's, and also she's the one that lives closest to us and has two grandchildren that we see a lot. She's very much in our lives these days and it is wonderful. She has, um, she's incredibly creative and bright and talented and struggled some while she was growing up in schools. And, uh, we had a, some challenges, um, in terms of how, to, what's the right thing to do? How do we approach this? Uh, and as smart as we might think we are at times, we're not always that smart about knowing what's the right thing to do. Uh, but there was a moment in time where a switch ha- uh, went on and she just became uh, amazing, an amazing young woman. And she uh, continues to be that. She's got her graduate degree in, in, in psychology, um, 
Uh, she's in um, communications and marketing and in a, in, in a very significant senior role, too, in our company. And she's um, seen as someone with great potential who people love working for and who people love having her work for them. Um, at the same time, she, too, is amazing with her children. She finds the time to be at home with her kids. Now, she and her husband both work, and he's, he's a great guy, too. And they, bo- they have really good jobs, both of them, very senior, significant jobs. Both do well. Um, but then you have to find time for your children, too, and they have two very young kids, and they do find time. But we also get, my wife gets to help more than me. I'm good for a couple hours. That's about it. Um, but I do love being there and helping out and being a part of it. So, so I hope you've enjoyed our show today. I hope you enjoyed listening to Enzo and to Brittany and to Robert talk about their experiences as dads, some of the experiences they had with their dads. Um, what I talked about, about being a dad and about my experience with um with my own father and some of the things that I cherished about him. Um, and again, it's not all black and white. It's not all good or all bad with any of us. But I thought, you know, as you think about Father's Day, it's useful to think about, you know, as a person who is a father of children, even if there's a struggle with the partner, the biological partner, the idea of being there for the kids is so incredibly important that I encourage you all to do the best you can to be there whenever you can and to be there for your children. If you want people to grow up emotionally sound, mentally healthy, feeling good about who they are and where they come from, be a part of it. Be the best possible you when you're with them. Make yourself available to them even when you're not at your best. Showing up, Woody Allen said years ago, of course, he's quite a role model anyway, <laughs> but he did. But something he said, 80% of life is just showing up. And that kind of resonated with a lot of people and it still resonates for me. And I think a big part of your life and your ability as a dad is showing up. And then when you show up, be the best possible version as you can. You know, make life special for your kids in any way that you can. Anyway, you've been listening to Chuck Wolf. I'm uh, the host of this Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. I hope today was a show that gave you some insights. We talked a little bit with Doug McLeod in the beginning of the show about Sandy Hook Promise and the importance of that uh, whole <clears throat> foundation and the work that they do, but also about you know um, you know people that are dealing with suicide. Um, so that was important, and I, I thank Doug for his call. And then we talked about dads. And I'll just repeat the suicide hotline for anybody that happens to want to know that. It's 800-273-8255. The the website is suicidepreventionlifeline.org, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And I'm going to have to go in a couple minutes, folks. So again, this is Chuck Wolf. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to all my regular listeners. If you're new to the show, I'm on the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Uh, Richard Epstein's going to come up on next, and so enjoy his show. And uh, I wish you all the best and a happy Father's Day, and I'll be back with you in July. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.